Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This week we're Review 2-ing Songs of Innocence and Experience bonus material. Got the album and you've bought the deluxe, so here's some more gold. You look at the track list and you think, that sounds like a cool song. I think it's only got worse. There's no auto-tune here. Moving on swiftly. Um, Book of Your Heart. And 60,000 people singing it with you. It's, it's, it's hard being a rock star, isn't hard it? Hard life, isn't it? Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Review 2. Can wow, that be- many. Yeah, can you believe we've, been, we've done managed to stretch this out for 40 episodes? They've not got that many albums at all. No, um, we've, I think we've done quite well. Yeah, yours. What's that saying? Flogging a dead horse? <laughs> yeah, that, pretty much. Does that, that remind you of us at all? Although, saying that, this is only... Uh, in fact, this is our third episode this year, and it's the first time we're going to talk to uh, talk about actual U2 songs. Yeah, I like doing these. I like doing the B-side things where we actually talk about the songs. It seems like this is what people come to review to for, mainly. Although people seem to enjoy the Killing Bonner review, so happy to do more films in the future. Yeah. Well, here we are. My name's Tyler. Here with me is Johnny. And today we will be discussing the Songs of Innocence and Experience bonus material. These are songs that we've had a lot of requests to do, uh, particularly when we did the the reviews of both the Innocence and the Experience mm-hmm. album. Um, one or two songs that people really want to know what we what we thought of that and what songs we would maybe take off the the albums as they were originally presented to us. And mm. I think we're going to have a lot of in-depth discussion and debate about which which songs we'd swap around. Yeah, um, and I think it makes sense to do this now because we've got both of the albums in the whole form. We've been with Innocence and Experience as a complete package, which is obviously that was the intention from the beginning for quite a while now and i think it was definitely worth talking about those albums on their own without this bonus material but it is interesting because there were so many songs generated particularly at the time of innocence that were kicking about and may or may not have ended up on the album and things were were up in the air right until the last minute i mean even a song like volcano which to me seems really uh, emblematic of songs of innocence wasn't necessarily going to be on the album up until a couple of weeks beforehand, apparently. Um, but there were about 50 songs in total that were around. Um, Edge said they had about 25 songs to choose from o- overall as they were going into those final kind of stages. And um, there's a quote from Bono around about the time they were putting together Innocence, and he said, it's quite a humbling process writing these songs because sometimes you can get them halfway up the hill or even three quarters of the way up the hill. But that final little bit, you know, just getting them right to the top that's the thing that made it really difficult. And As you if get that. we didn't know that. Well, we definitely do know that because we've seen some of the ropey old rubbish they've put around as, you know, as B-sides. You know, basically the unfinished songs, the things that they've decided, this is the chaff, you know, this is the stuff we're not going to actually put on the albums. So I'm glad that, in a way, I'm glad they waited a while for Innocence because it seemed to have paid off very well because I think that album is still very consistent. For you, what's the biggest offender uh, in terms of a single that they released, oh, don't get and, me started. and then you hear a track that is like, well, why did why if this song was ready at that time, mm. why didn't you release that instead of instead of this? And the reason I'm the the, the first song that comes into my head when I ask that question is "Window in the Skies." Now, I kind of like "Window in the Skies." Mm, that doesn't come into my head, but it 
it's a bit of a. Oh, it's fluff. Yeah, it's a bit of a thorn in the in the in the side because I don't really know where to put it. It was just a one-off single. Okay, it was on U two eighteen, but I think th- it that exactly seems like belongs. A bit of an offender. It belongs exactly on that thing. It's it's. I'm not going to say it was a cynical thing just to get people to buy the album, and I know there's a lot of people who like that song, but I don't think that song is has any particular weight to it or gravity it's a it's kind of a a pop song that's in praise of pop music and rock music and the music video makes that really clear but i have very very rarely reached to put that song on apart from if i want to watch the video so um and i'm, I'm trying to lead you down an, down an alleyway here but mm. at that time around 2007 what song would you have preferred them to release that maybe got released as a b-side or as a bonus track um or a song that we just know was ready that could have been released in place of Window in the Skies that would have been better? I, for what they were looking for, I think Window in the Skies was, was the best they probably could have done. But I think I, look, I would have liked a good version of Mercy. Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought you'd say. Um, why, why are you trying to lead me down in these alleyways? I, I, I don't know. Because I, 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 to me, Mercy is, is unfinished. It, it sounds unfinished. It's, yeah. it's very good. It needs but, to go through that studio process and be properly finished. But would you say prefer the uh, the version of Mercy that we've got instead of Window in the Skies, or would you would you still want it to go through that remixing phase? It's never properly a song until it's gone through the whole proper studio process. So what we've got okay. Mercy is we've got an unfinished rough version which is really good, and we've got the live versions um, from Wide Awake in Europe which is also really good. What we don't have is that essential this is the actual track you know yeah um which we need but i think there's been a hell of a lot of songs that you two have put out and i've got irritated that those songs are the ones that they've used to kind of bridge the gap between albums and they've not waited and said well why don't we just make the album stronger by having that song on there and we're going to get to a couple of those today definitely Mm. um occasionally songs that i think just imagine if that song was on that album at a certain point it could really have livened it up i mean i don't know the exact dates and when things were ready probably not at the right time but if you put electrical storm on or you can't leave behind man that'd be a good album rather than a really flawed album yeah um electrical this is kind of i was gonna go on to like saying that when you hear a single live unexpectedly mm that's when you know you like it. So I reckon if I if I heard Window in the Skies live, maybe if they, if they played that one of the times we went to see them, I'd enjoy it. I would. I think I would really. I'd, I would be all over that. I never thought I'd want to hear Sweetest Thing live until I saw a few YouTube videos, mm. and the crowd go crazy for Sweetest Thing. And I'd and love to see that live. I, I would love to see a sweet a Sweetest Thing live. Definitely love to see. Electrical Storm live. Yeah, I think the roof would come off the place if they did a solid version, a full band version. Yeah, and I'm not on about a quiet B side, a B stage. Yeah, version or a, a snippet, a complete full band version of uh, Electrical Electrical Storm would be fantastic. We'll come back to similar themes later on, I think, as well when, when we're talking about these uh, these these deluxe tracks. Um, and that's what we're talking about today. These. Um, Songs that were included with the deluxe editions, possibly to entice uh, fans to buy the actual physical release or to invest some money um, after they'd been given 
that free version from iTunes, perhaps. But I think you get very good value for a bonus um, disc. I was not expecting this much material. There was a lot of extra content on the on the the deluxe physical edition of mm. Songs of Innocence, and I and I do think it's to do with with iTunes. I think the deal they had with iTunes was they they had the initial distribution rights. Mm-hmm. And they could send it to all of the users, and then it was about three weeks later when the physical release came out, which all the money went to you two at that point, just like a traditional release. Mm. So iTunes, iTunes bought the right to debut the album for three weeks or something like that, and then and then we got the traditional release. Mm. But it was already the most, possibly one of the most infamous albums in musical history at that point. Yeah. Just because of the way it was released, and but we probably shouldn't go back into that. No, no. Apart from to say that it it overshadows the quality of that album. And coming back to Innocence, I mean, how do you feel about that album nowadays? Songs of Innocence. Um. Well, I haven't listened to the actual album uh, over the past few days. I've li- just listened to the, these, the bonus songs, the bonus material, and. Has anything changed much since we did the review? I mean, that's basically what I'm asking. I actually got a lot of joy from listening to these songs. Even songs like Cedarwood Road uh, and Raised by Wolves, which I wasn't that hot on mm. when we initially reviewed it. Just, it. I got a lot of joy from listening to them again. And I do think that Songs of Innocence is one of my favourite U2 albums of all time. Mm. We've had four years of it now. And it's it's remained strong. It, every time I listen to it, I'm really happy to hear it. When I hear the um, the doom doom of uh, Joy Ramone yeah. kicking, I'm I just it's so good. Yeah, it really is a, a great album. It is, it is for me. It's up there with Acton Baby and the Joshua Tree Ooh. and War. It's it is absolutely one of U2's best albums. Um, but it's divisive, and a lot of U2 fans just don't like it. It's I suppose you two are that far spread now, and that many people have heard about them. They can't, they can't possibly please everybody. No. So, I, you know, I, I, I it upsets me a little bit because I don't think uh, the the Joshua Tree or Acton Baby, um, or Unforgettable Fire or War are that divisive, but just because of the time that it came out and how far-reaching you two's influence is now. Mm. That album and every album they bring out from now on will always be divisive, and it always puts a little bit of an asterisk by by the name of that album. Yeah, you know, some people like this, some people don't. It stops it being a classic album that everybody likes. Yeah, I think I think there are a lot of a lot of fans who would be reluctant at anything, you know, post. Oh, you can't leave behind. To be honest, I mean, anything. That's that, that's that a classic album that I just forgot to mention. You know. Mm. Um, it's it's all right. Uh, I would I would put Innocence. I wouldn't put it in the top tier along with Acton Baby and, and Joshua Tree, but it's very very consistent. It, it is a proper album, and it's got unified themes. And there are real songs on here, which is where they fell down the album before. Um, they didn't really sometimes have f- full songs that were worked out, and I think that will come into its own when. We look at those uh, acoustic or buskery sessions that they do later on on this bonus material. Um, so, is there anything you want to say before we get into innocence? Well, we talked about it. We, uh, we, okay, um, maybe this is production notes. Uh, maybe not. Um, so, are we just going to talk about innocence now and then experience when we get to those B sides? I think we'll talk about the innocence B sides and then we'll talk about the experience B sides. But uh, well, uh, bonus uh, material. Uh, 
how our opinions have changed of experience. Uh, yeah, I'd say... Do that in a bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. We're leaving this in. Yeah, <laughs> uh, hooks. Okay, so Lucifer's Hands, otherwise known earlier on as Return of the Stingray Guitar. Um, do you know the history of this song, Tyler? I don't. Are you about to tell me? Yes, I am. Cool. Uh, so this, and I'm taking a lot from um, bits that I've cobbled together on the internet here and, and things that I've, I've remembered. And You surprise me. Go on. Yeah. and No, no, things that I have, I've, I've learned them at one time. Anyway. Um, is, so, this, is this all from Wikipedia? No. Or? I don't like Wikipedia. I don't you, like. Did you stay on to? Or did you use U two Start this week, Johnny? I, I use U two Start every week because it's the premier U two place to get U two facts. Did right. you use any other website? Uh, I did, but I can't remember. Anyway, does does it matter? Anyway, shush. Right. So, anyway, this originally goes back as far as 1984. Because apparently this song, or at least this title, it's very difficult to know whether it's this song or not. This title, Return of the Stingray Guitar, the song from which Lucifer's Hands emerges, has been around apparently since 1984. And when Edge was going back to remaster um, some of the stuff for a different album, one of the later albums, post-2000, he apparently found this. It might have just been the title, and he started messing around. But I think this riff has existed for for a very long time. Would you like to hazard a guess at which album that was? Uh, what, that it was originally that around? That it was, that he found it. Um, Maybe started reworking on it again. I think, I think it was around about the same time um, they were doing the remaster of The Unforgettable Fire, so I think it was around about after No Line on the Horizon, that, that sort of time. Oh, right. Um, I think so. Because one of the first things I thought about this, listening to this over the last couple of days, is how much it reminds me of Fast Cars. Yeah. Well, it's got that same, if I'm correct and my ear is correct, it's got the same like E kind of root in the, uh, in the chords. Uh, I think it sounds a lot like um, 20th Century Boy by T-Rex which means this song can go back all the way to 1973. Have you heard that song? Yes. So I, I think everybody's heard that song. Yes, but it's so <laughs> it's to the point where it's I mean, I know I get basic facts wrong about my favorite band, but I have heard other music. It what I'm saying is that it's so similar. It's really really similar to the point where I'm initially kind of like, mm, no wonder you didn't put this on an album because you might have ended up being sued, but I guess having that that it's it's a basic trick though in, in guitarist terms of you have a big E chord and you kind of twang on the the G note. It's done in in lots of other songs and you get that kind of pattern repeated in things like um, like Rocks by Primal Scream, for example. That it, it's that really upbeat, rocky sound. Very easy to get a nice rocky vibe. And a, come on, let's just play some big guitar, have some big drums. If you just lean on that E, but I mean, when I think about the riff, it's. It's very difficult to try and differentiate the two. If I try to play them both in a row, as in the T-Rex and then Stingray guitar, Lucifer's hands, it'd be very hard. But having said that, it sounds like I'm whinging and saying that this is a, some sort of copy or something. I really like this song, and I think it does the job really, really well of, of being very, very upbeat and getting people going. Because it debuted, I think, about 30-odd um, about times on the um, 360 tour as... A replacement for breathe it was a show opener and they would come out and edge would be you know doing the that's that's t-rex um you know he would come out and do that and bonner would just sort of dance about the stage and go come on 
that sort of thing. Or in, I saw the one for Buenos Aires recently, and he just says "Hola" about thirty times <laughs> for, for for two and a half minutes. Um, Shake up that big fat ass. Oh, I, I wish he. I wish he'd never said that. <laughs> um, so that's the history of the song, anyway. So then it's been hanging around for ages, um, and it has finally arrived in some sort of studio form as Lucifer's hands with full lyrics. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, T? Uh, did you like it at first? The first time you heard it, four no. years ago? You didn't like it? Not the, not the very first time, but I, to be honest, it's rare that I actually like any song the first time I hear it. Do you like it now? Yes, with reservations. Okay. Um, I really wanted to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think there's something about buying that deluxe edition yeah. You know, when you get to those extra tracks, you go, oh, I, you know, I, I, hope, I bet this is really good. I hope it's really good. Uh, I want to, have, you know, purchase something that, you know, own. You feel like it's it's exclusivity. You feel like you're the only person that has that. Not yeah. everybody's bought that. It's just for the fans. Yeah, and I, I and I really wanted Lucifer's hands to be just the best thing. It sounds cool I, as well. Doesn't I'd it? ever heard. You look at the track list and you think that sounds like a cool song. Yeah, um, and then I, I, you know, I put it on and. I didn't I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't I didn't dislike it. Um but I knew I wasn't I wasn't really getting into it as much as the rest of of the album. Mm. Um over the past few days re-listening to this, I think it's only got worse for me, <laughs> really. Um the vocals and the lyrics uh sound very murky, very muddy. The chorus in particular I think does not hit yeah, it's it's like verses are fine for me. It's like the it's like the edge and Adam and Larry have been working away with you know with a song and Bono's like yeah I think I've got some since the eighties. I, I know what I know what these uh, what this song is about. I know what I want to put in this song. I want I know what I want to do, and he's just not been able to hone it down. So there's just kind of too many ideas. He's trying to shove all the all these ideas in one box, mm. and the box just isn't big enough, and. That's something that I, I've talked about quite a lot before, but in, it really does um, kind of ruin this bit for me. I'm really not sad that it's on the album. Well, uh, I, I think this is a classic B-side conundrum, though, isn't it? That you you were talking about wanting a song to be great, but the problem is if it's too good, then you start to think, why isn't this on the album? This is really annoying. And then you start to want to do alternate track listings and things. So but that's, kind what, of weird that's what I want from a deluxe. I want the these things that could have been on the album you yeah. know but you know there was too much to choose from yeah you've got the album and you've bought the deluxe so here's some more gold <laughs> it's that's yeah, what i want yeah that, that does make sense i mean obviously you want more good songs than than fewer but i mean the the thing is the the chorus doesn't hit and that's the problem for lucifer's hands i think it seems like everyone else is kind of i don't want to be mean a bono or mean to bono here but it seems like everyone else has done their job and bono his job is to find a hook for the chorus and he just doesn't really get there. Hand in your homework on time. <laughs> but the, the tone is really good to this. It's recorded really well. Um, Most of it's recorded really well. The vocals aren't. No, no, no. I mean, just mean the instruments. The yeah. instruments are great. Even all the stuff that's going on in the background, I think they've really taken the time to get a great guitar sound. There's all these weird, like, in the second cor- in the second verse particularly, you can hear all this kind of like boom, boom, bam, boom, boom, bam, like just carnival-esque weird stuff in the background. What's the song from Linear that didn't make it onto No Line? Uh, I don't know the one from Linear. I know Winter didn't make it on there. Winter, yeah. that's it. Um, that's a good song. So when you listen to No Line, uh, sorry, Linear, um, which is the film of the album, 
Mm-hmm. Winter's still on there, but Winter has a lesser production quality than the rest of the songs because Winter didn't make it as yeah. far as all the others. Um, so it's probably one of the last ones cut, but it didn't get that final polish. Mm. And that's what I feel with Lucifer's Hands. It didn't get that final polish. It's like they, they realised all these other songs are getting there. This one isn't. So let's stop re- you know, wasting our time and money on this. I think that's true, yeah. Um, and that's that's the image. It was a bit of a dip in quality in terms of production. I think I think, mm, I think the drums are still very good and the guitar is very good. It's other bits and it is that it's that fine it's sort of 85 percent. what do you have against adam clayton you can't you, can't, you <laughs> just can't mention it can you even, well he doesn't do anything particularly special in this song there's no I, wicked I think, bass I think he's done more than bono at least he's done his work yeah he's followed edge with the root notes fair enough um, um he's i mean one thing that we can talk about with this song though there's an interesting bit here where um we're in the middle in the bridge and i i don't like the way the bridge sounds i don't the, the whoa 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 bit i i don't like it but Interesting though, because Bono says, "Yes, I can change the world. Yes, I can change the world. The poor breaking bread that's made out of stone. The rich man won't eat. He's eating alone. That's easy. But I can't change the world in me." Now I'm hoping that the internet source I've got this from is right, but he says here he can't change the world in him. So it's that inversion of the free previous idea that before, when he was younger, in a state of innocence, if the theme wasn't clear enough. <laughs> He said he couldn't change the world on October, but he can change the world in in him. And that's from one of my favourite songs. So it's interesting that now he's older, he's reflecting on that. There's a really good interview with Bono <laughs> explaining this. Oh, Curren- let him do it, not me then. Currently, I can't uh, remember which interview, but if I can find it by the time John- before Johnny finishes this uh, um, the production for this episode... Mm-hmm. You'll hear the the interview now. Or not. Or you didn't hear it. <laughs> but, but, but it's re- it's really funny in the intonation that Bono uh, Bono puts on. But I can change the world in me. It like there's a dramatic pause and the it's, it makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, there we go. Uh, I'm glad. I, I'm not sad that this isn't on the album. Uh, no, I'm not. Um, I also think it's it wouldn't be well placed on innocence because this is all about. Well, maybe maybe it is. I don't know. This, the song, the lyrics themselves are all to do with Bono escaping this kind of. I don't, well, escaping. You know, you no longer got a hold on me. You know, these hands that are clamping him down. So maybe it is to do with that kind of um, escape. But it doesn't really seem to fit with the innocence thing because when Bono was younger, he was he was very much interested in those ideas of religion and controlled to a certain extent by religion, really. Funnily enough, and this is pretty much, I think it should be the last thing we say on Lucifer's Hand, yep. um, I thought that the, the, the deluxe, it's kind of like the um, epilogue after the credits roll. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it leaves it, films leave it open, open for a sequel. I think Pirates of the Caribbean doing a lot. Um, I wouldn't know after the first one, <laughs> but they 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 were very they normally after the credits rolled they would put an extra scene in. Yeah, Marvel do it as well. Um, okay, <laughs> fine. Um, it's not a competition, but I'd that's win. how I wanted to view the extra material for Innocence. I wanted to I wanted to listen to the album and then okay, what's this? What's this extra bit? It's mm. like they they were saying that. Um, 
experience was coming right you know coming around a lot quicker than you'd imagine a lot quicker than a u2 record huh, is uh, what i say to that bullshit, right but nasty coffee got this island yeah I'm good sorry. job we don't swear on these uh, yeah it's uh, terrible i'll uh, it'll clear up it might take me with it but it'll clear up mm-hmm. um but that's what i wanted i wanted lucifer's hand and crystal ballroom to be this is what's coming mm. this is what you know just stay right here we've got 12 more great songs for you and at that point, foolishly, I believed the new album was six months away. Yep. Well, well, we were all <laughs> fooled. Um, and speaking of which, should we get into Crystal Ballroom then? As you uh, brought it up. Absolutely, yeah. Um, now, a very specific memory um, came up when I was listening to this song. Uh, you, I think, lived in Manchester at this point. We yep. lived away from each other. Yeah, I know, I know that. Um, but we were having the big Christmas party at your house that we we tend to have pretty much every year. Fun and frivolity. Yeah. Uh, so I brought the the record of Innocence, and uh, your dad's got a good record player in the in the living room. Yeah. And the vinyl of Innocence. We all gathered, and of all the songs I wanted to put on, I wanted to put on the Crystal Ballroom. 12 inch remix which was exclusive to that vinyl wasn't it uh yes yep. yeah so um and and that's the most exciting thing about all of innocence and i love innocence mm. but thinking that this is what's to come for experience showing people that 12 inch remix of um crystal ballroom was just that's everything i wanted to do and it's everything i wanted experience to be mm. i think crystal ballroom is absolutely fantastic and if experience had been that mm. then i would have been very happy i weirdly also got this idea that i think maybe we we gave each other this idea or maybe exaggerated it or amplified it that experience was going to be in this sort of direction that mm. it was going to be a bit more dancey i think this is the closest you get to a pop sound as in with the capital letter well, this and kaigo yeah because after this Kygo was the next thing you heard. Yeah, it was the only thing. So yeah, it, we were led to believe that this is this is coming, this is happening, mm. this is the direction you two are going. That twenty years later, they're revisiting pop and they're doing it right. You <laughs> and know, it, and it makes sense because they would be reflecting that late night, seedier, dancey, going wild, drinking. You know, the stuff, basically the nineties. You know, that kind of stuff. And the fact that they're all the citizens. Yeah. You know, it can go one way or the other, but I think they would have done it a, the ironic way, the funny way, the cool way. Mm-hmm. Um, Repeating disco type, but with Zimmer frames. I, I just, I, I, everything I wanted experience to be, it wasn't. It doesn't mean experience is terrible, but it, I had an idea of yeah. what experience was going to be, and it was going to be so starkly different from Innocence because Innocence was all about those first three albums and being young yeah. and foolish and dumb and just wanting something mm. and then the experience side of it was about being old and jaded and wanting to give it back Yeah, and I thought that going the pop route the you know, the more disco uh, kind of Blackpool, Las Vegas, you know cheap yeah, tacky kind of route. But I thought that, with lights. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was great. And the black and white of Innocence 
with a multicolor of experience would have would have just you're making me dislike innocence <laughs> sorry experience experience more than i kind of already do well, i i am well because i think that sounds like a good idea and why don't they consult us about this i i, I think I, I they must have our number <laughs> if if you you know if somebody had done like 40 episodes of a podcast about mm. you i think you'd know about it yeah, but I've not done anything with my life compared to these guys. Like, it, there's nothing to remark upon, and I don't think they're listening. If they are, please get in touch. The uh, email address is on the end of the episode. Also, I guess anyone get in touch. If you want to send us an email, we have that thing on the, the end of the uh, the end of the episode every week. So if you want to send us a message, literally about anything, go nuts. You know, send us an email. Um, is that just you two, or is that anybody listening? Uh, no, anyone can if they want to, but it has to be you two related. I'm not just if we end up interviewing Brian Eno, I'm going to be so quiet. You, yeah, you will be, and uh, I'll not bring up when you called him a moron. Let's don't don't say it now, <laughs> Brian. He's lying. Um, Crystal Ballroom. I've got a rather long, but I think interesting quote from Bono on this. So, um, you ready to strap in for a, a, a long quote that Bono gave to the Irish Times, Tyler? Click. I need to tell you something really weird about this song. It's called the Crystal Ballroom, which used to be the name of McGonagall's in South Ann Street, now knocked down. A whole generation of Dubliners would go to the Crystal Ballroom for dances, and many couples first met there. My mother and father used to dance in the Crystal Ballroom. So that song I just sang you, Bonner's talking about Crystal Ballroom, obviously, which hasn't been released yet, is me imagining I'm on stage at McGonagall's with this new band I'm in called U2. And we did play a lot of our early gigs there. And I look out into the audience and I see my mother and father dancing romantically together to you two on the stage. I have just realised that my mother is, fo- is sorry, that my mother died 40 years yesterday, ago yesterday. And here we are today playing our new album in Dublin, which is about my family and what happened to me as a teenager. My mother died when she was at her father's funeral. She had a cerebral aneurysm. I was only 14. And in this song I am singing, Everyone is here tonight, everyone but you. And it's me wanting to see my mother dance again in the Crystal Ballroom and for her to see what's happened to her son. So, a long quote, but there you go. But Iris never would have seen you two, like. No, it's this idea of a sort oh, of ghostly the... presence of Iris seeing um, seeing the band playing now and seeing what's become of the son. So he's got this image of them dancing, which is kind of playing with time, and he's seeing them dancing romantically, but also watching them, the band that's current now 40 years later and her being able to see in this kind of ghostly form what's happened to her son who was always you know kind of a a bit of a rebel and always had big things to say you know and that kind of thing and i guess seeing what he's made of her and a lot of a lot of this material syncs up well with things like obviously like iris but obviously mofo and things like that in the past were bono is literally calling out to his dead mother saying there needs to be some sort of recognition here or I want you to see me, you know? Yeah. Which makes this song a lot more interesting than it first appears because at the start, it just seems, it does, not just, but it seems it's got this kind of really fat bass sound. Um, it's getting groovy. The party's jumping without a G. It's, you know, it's getting really, really good. And you wouldn't imagine this song has so much depth in it. And I'm, I, I do wonder if there couldn't have been a, an interesting reworked version of this a finished version with the polish. I see. I think this sounds finished. And congratulations, Ooh. by the way. It took forty episodes, but you've actually managed to teach me something there. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, well done. Maybe you know, in another forty episodes, I'll learn something else from you. See, will die and live again. Mm. Um, no, I think this sounds polished. I think this. 
I, I understand why it's not on the album. Because I, I, I think it would stick out a little bit. It's too experiency. Yeah. Should be. Yeah. Um, but I really like this. I, I do question why it's not on an album. It, this deserves to be a song that people can more freely own. And I think that this is the song that I show people. This is the song uh, of, of, of recent years where I go, listen to what you two are doing now. Mm. You two aren't where the streets have no name. They aren't with or without you. They aren't still find what I'm looking for. They aren't 11 o'clock TikTok or, you know, any of those. Uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday, you know, those, those mm. songs that typically people attribute to them. This song, every breaking wave, um, the little things, that, the little things that give you away. I don't know more. No, but these are these are the. This That's is where what they're you, invested. This is what you two can do now. Yeah, and it's what they're interested in doing now it's as well. Absolutely, some of the best stuff of the career. I will say, much as I do really like this song, I, it's really, really, really well produced and works well. The bridge is good. Where you know. You've got all the chanting coming in, and Edge has got a really good guitar part that comes in there, do 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 that kind of bit. The problem, and I hate to say it, is not with Clayton, it's with Edge. He comes in with this weird solo, or it's rather, it's with the producer actually. That bit is terribly mixed, and it's it's like they've taken all the treble off his guitar. And this isn't a solo. This is this is Edge noodling, and I can tell the difference between Edge. Doing what's you know a solo in inverted commas something that is meant to be improvised but he's done a few times like bullet the blue sky that's a solo but he knows what he's doing. This is just wandering around in search of a sound and it's not really it's it doesn't get the. I I like the edge solo but I did I did think well, what's this an edge solo because every time I hear an edge solo mm. I think of Street Mission um, that <laughs> early video that we seem to keep mentioning yeah constantly. <laughs> And we, we've never reviewed Street Mission. Well, the so, the solo sticks out in that song like a sore thumb because it's better than the rest of the song. And the inverse is true here. Yeah. Um, the vocoder stuff at the end is great. And I just want them to use more vocoders all the time. Well, maybe they need to borrow one from Bon Jovi. No, not him. But they've got them. They use them on the... Wow, wow. Oh, still playing up then, is it? <laughs> Um, Should we move on to the acoustic session? Yeah, let's let's go for it. Um, these are the acoustic sessions. I think a statement of of you two saying, "We have songs now. This isn't No Line on the Horizon. We are not hiding behind anything but a acoustic guitar. We've got three chords and the truth, and we're going to sing some blimmin' songs." Can I just ask before we get into this? Are Adam and Larry pre- uh, present throughout this? Uh, they do bits of stuff. I mean. Uh, they're a lot quieter. I mean, Larry, for example, is on, and in live performances of this, he's on a kind of he's a muted drumstick, and he's just on two big floor drums, basically. But there's not much of them here. I think they might be clapping or hitting a tambourine or shaking something around, you know, I, an instrument. I'm not saying they're not there, mm. but I want more of a presence from them. It's and difficult, I, and though. I think I think some of these songs would, you know, they what's the word I'm looking for? Benefit. That's the word I'm looking for. Benefit. Mm. <laughs> and they benefit from from a more enhanced role from Adam and Larry. The difficulty with that is that you, 
you're gonna have I to. I should then... say they are my favourite members of you too, though. So wow. maybe maybe I'm so being misguided. biased. Why um, am I, why am I misguided? <laughs> it's look, it's there. Are, there are four. Do piece... you know why they're my favourite members of, of, oh, of do the band? Tell. Because I think you hear a lot from Edge and Bono, mm-hmm. but you don't get the side from you don't get their opinions, Adam and Larry's opinion. Maybe they don't want to give their opinion. I don't think Larry does ever. But that's interesting to me. I want to know what Larry actually thinks. I want to know what what Adam actually thinks. Yeah, I'd, look, they're a, they're a four-piece band. They all contribute equally. That's fair enough. It's just the stuff I'm drawn to naturally is Edge, that's all. And, you know, it's not like... You two would sound terrible with a standard, boring 4-4 drummer and if Adam didn't have such a unique way of approaching the bass. Yeah. Um, these versions then, Every Breaking Wave... Um, this version is the one that they seem to do a lot of. I think it's a version that you prefer overall, this arrangement of it. Uh, I appreciate both. Yeah. I do appreciate both. I um, find this a little bit X-Factory, to be honest. In the U2 community, um, I know that this now has a bit of a Marmite effect on people because some people are really clamouring for that. Uh, mm. Like we said about Electrical Storm, that four-piece, full-band Full throttle version, or you know, of every breaking wave. Let's you know do it properly. Mm. But which we've still not had. No, we we haven't had. But this really works. This does work. It works according to a formula, I think. And I'm not saying that the, any member of the band is being insincere or that it doesn't translate really well to a particular audience. But I feel the horrific high trousers of Simon Cowell waiting in the wings of this version. Really. Just it's that arrangement. It's that arrangement, and look, it's not you two's fault. It's just oof. well, that MTV. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. By the way, if I keep bumping into my micro microphone, <laughs> microwave, <laughs> having a snack, <laughs> microwave oven. Um, Is that a song? Yeah. Is it? It's Dire Straits. Oh, somehow I've forgotten that out of all the great songs that Dire Straits did. Like, okay, Dire Straits are a great band. Are you honestly saying that you don't like Dire Straits? <laughs> Not, I'm not a big fan. Come at me, internet. I don't care. I, I think you're going to get a, f- a few angry tweets. Well, shared shared I mean, accounts. Any tweets would be nice. <laughs> um, every breaking wave. Yeah, every breaking wave. Love the reverb on Bono's voice. It, I don't know where this was recorded. I I, I seem to think it was uh, made available uh, studios. I seem to think this is a BBC thing. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. Um, but this makes it sound like Bono's singing in a cathedral. Mm-hmm. There's, there's like the perfect amount of reverb on, on Bono's voice, and it really gives this song a little bit more power. It seems a bit, a bit more ethereal, and it's just, it just, it really mm. strengthens the song. I, I'm struggling with articulation today. Clearly, no, no, I think you're, I think you're right. I, 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 I get that. I do get that. I just, I, I think in my head, I've got this annoying like. X Factor thing, which is which is bugging me, and it it would be easily displaced if they gave me a nice live full band version of this in its in its original album form, you know, with all those synthesizers going. I think they don't like that version. I think they think it's overproduced. I don't think so at all. It's great. What what I do like about music in general is when something builds up. You think of Daft Punk Contact, mm-hmm. the song Contact. That's on Random Access Memory. If you're not a Daft Punk fan, but it's a typical song that I like. It builds up slowly, introducing a different section, a different instrument, mm. step by step, until you 
eventually just have this huge wall of sound and that's what this version of every breaking wave does it starts off with just edge on piano and then bono comes in on vocals and then you get the bass and then you get the drums i think the the uh, the orchestra actually come in before mm. adam and larry in this one yeah but it just builds up and then before you know it you're you just have this huge sound coming at you and it sounds amazing I think the thing you've still got the original enthusiasm that that I think I had the first time I heard this in this form might have been on Jules Holland or it might have been on some other recording, but I it was incredible the first time I heard it. I think I just want the other version. That's I it. honestly think this is one of the best songs you two have, have ever written. We know you've said this before. Ever, and I will reiterate: this is the best song since Acton Baby. Wow. Strong words, strong repetitive words. So let's move on to California now. Um, probably should get through these slightly quicker. Um, so I think this is fabulous. I, like, I think this version is really good. Um, it sounds really fresh. You've got the freshness of the song. That second jangly guitar, which I guess maybe Dallas is doing or, or someone else, a session musician. Bono. No. It's Bono. I checked the notes before I came. Wow. I underestimate him a lot. By the way, fans, the big U2 fan that Johnny is can't find either Songs of Innocence or Songs of Experience in his house tonight. They are somewhere in my house. I don't know where. I wanted to be here and come at you with all the facts of who the producers were, who the additional instrumentalists were. Everyone wants to know that. Well, normally this is the stuff that we can't remember. So I wanted this to... Remember a few days ago we sent each other a text? Let's make this episode the best episode ever. And it failed before we'd even press record. Yeah. Well, if you want to look it up, look in your copy. I'll find mine eventually. Um, Horns on this section. Usually I'm not a fan when there's horns involved in a U2 song. But they really work. For this song, that kind of like... It works because you've got that sense of joy and happiness and... It's America, guys. You know, it's opening out in front of you, and here it is. And I think that really works on this song. My notes make for an interesting short story on California. And I quote, B's voice sounds quite tired. I don't care for this version. Oh, wait. The brass. Bono quite clearly loves these songs. U2 needs a brass section. Oh, they don't. I'm very happy with this version. (laughs) (laughs) What a turnaround. (laughs) Three-act structure there. They really do. As soon as that brass comes in... Yeah, um, it does lift it. And and the same can be said for Raised by Wolves. Ooh, can it, though? Um, I was was all over it, because Raised by Wolves I don't particularly care about. Uh, And then then the, the, that brass came in, and I was like, "Oh, yes, that's exactly what I want." See, for me, I see, I really like "Raised Raised by Wolves." I I think it's brilliant, and I really like the way it's recorded on the original album. I don't think the horns really have the impact of the strings here. I think strings would have been a better way to go. More more strings, horns for this song. Horns are comical instruments, right? Or the joyful, happy <laughs> instruments. Exactly, like you know, it's either comedy or joy you get from a horn. I think. And whereas I think surely it depends on what you're playing yeah and it depends on the player and I know I'm making massive generalisations but anyway you, here on you use the guitar to be funny whenever you play Girls Aloud <laughs> I, I suppose I do yes yeah, it's, it's either that or a cry for help but the but 
look, the bit in this song where you know when the 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 band come in and it goes dum 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 like that with horns going. I don't really. I it it misses something for me. I'd rather have just the strings. It's I like think a, it's like a king returning from battle. Well, I, I don't get that. It's 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 fine. It's it's an all right version. Um, Cedarwood Road. Yep. Th- thoughts? It was okay. It, um, I don't uh, just yeah. It was okay. I don't think I, I prefer the album version. Mm-hmm. And it's as do I. It's, None of these are better than the album version. But I will remind you that the album, uh, the, the on the album, that's my dirty day. Yep. So and it was my sweetest thing when we actually did it. Really. In direct contrast. I mean, what drugs are you on? None. I am drug free. Actually, do you know what? As you should be. Lately. I've been coming back to this song and and finding myself singing. Uh, I was you know I was walking down. Is it walking? Running? Yeah. Something. I was walking. Down. It's one of the two. I was walking. Yeah, I was walking down the road. Fear Some was, sort of ambulatory motion. But I keep going to the right to that that that. It's a great riff. It's one of those eternal. I mean, I made it sound like a theme tune. Yeah, not to a very good to a sitcom maybe. Fun fact about this one, um, I think the band, or Bono, or both of them, mess up the timing right at the end. And by mess up, I just mean they're not quite on the same page. They're in time, but they're doing something different. So what happens is that Bono ends up, while they're dropping everything down, Bono ends up having to do that last line, you know, that um, sing heart that is open, and then he repeats open. He has to sort of go for it and if you just listen back if you've not listened to this song for a while because I hadn't listened to it for ages this version of this song just listen back to him saying open he really throws himself into it and that's what I like about these versions they're raw yeah they're definitely not perfect there's even bits where you think Ooh, very slightly off the note there there's no auto tune here it's it's just it's like you've got a little private audience you've walked into um, the studio and you're just overhearing them it's great um, but not much else to yeah, say yeah so. I um it is. It is like you know. It's very clearly one take, and uh, I do want to know if they played them in this order because it seems a bit strange to play them in this order. I reckon they spent a couple of days just hashing out some jams, and that was it. And they just picked a few and thought these I were the best I ones. I think this was an event. I think this was something that people went to. Well, there's no crowd on it. No. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, song for someone. Well, got it right this time. Shut up. <laughs> I, I I get that wrong on so many former episodes. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It, it is embarrassing. <laughs> um, I this is I don't prefer this version, but I think this arrangement is really good. And I wish that rather than the guitar, which obviously works well live, I wish it was piano live. It sounds so much better. So it's, it's more delicate. Do you know what? Uh, Songs of Experience came out nine months ago. Um, I think just just over nine months ago now. Mm-hmm. And all I've really thought about since since that is thirteen. Yep. And then this came on today and it just reminded me of song for someone. Mm-hmm. And I remember me and you walking home drunk from a party <laughs> singing this song and the album had just come out. Mm. It was it was really fresh and we were singing this song and I miss song for someone. Um, well, you've got it sort of in the 13. Uh, apparently, uh, having looked at... Um, and. This is this is a bit of a spoiler, but it's not much of one. What, for the tour? Yeah. That I haven't seen, that yeah. you have... Go on then. Right. On one occasion, they have played "Song for Someone" mm-hmm. on this tour, 
which is strange. Yep. Really? Yeah, yeah. Considering they've, you know, done a sequel. <laughs> but they've played it on one occasion, and I'm, I kind of really want to see that show to know what happened and, you know, and how it went down. But I miss this version. I miss Song for Someone. And what it's ha- not going anywhere. What happens now to, to Song for Someone? It's a good question. Um, I think they'll probably just return to it after this tour, um, occasionally. I- because one would assume mm-hmm. that 13 would be played on this tour as on well. On this tour, yeah. But I wouldn't imagine that it would take the place of it So do they this. do they play both? If they or can they play or does playing one of them take the other one out of the set list? I think do yes, they combine, one takes the other out. Do they combine them? Well, they've already done that really on thirteen. Well, I don't no. think you can play both. I think it'd be, that would be overkill. Um, but th- this is an epic version. I love it. It's really good. I love this song, and um, I know a lot of people really do like thirteen. And I know I'm, I'm included in that. I know I'm probably in the minority, but song for someone was here first. <laughs> and it, it's it, for me it's just a much better song and a song that I'd much rather listen to well to me it's like a young 13 is like a younger brother that's got the same eyes as song for someone and there's nothing wrong with that like it's it's got the same features it's not the same it's a different thing and they're both very welcome to coexist one thing I will say about and I have to say this now I have to say this <laughs> one, one thing I will say about the tour currently um, Yet the, more spoilers. As as in fact, as we're here right now, the European leg of the tour is kicking off in Belgium, Berlin. Yes, in Berlin, <laughs> <laughs> the European leg of the tour is kicking off in Berlin, right? Mm-hmm. And I will say this: I don't know what's happening right now. I can't. I can't possibly know. I will say this: the US leg and the European leg of the of this tour will be very different. Okay. That I I I just have to get this out there now because if I say this when I'm allowed to talk about right, yeah, the tour, yeah. okay. people people go, oh, he's just saying that. Well, but, I, but I'm saying this now. That was such a spoiler. I'm not going to the tour now. Well, I'll fine. I'll <laughs> I'll take I'll take your dad. He'd have a he'd have a grand time, but I am actually going. Can you just tell the audience what your dad's recollection of seeing you two for the first time was? It was mainly when mainly... you asked him recently. I, I'm not sure what you're referring to, um, but he definitely said he just he enjoyed just having a good day out, and we we had a pie in a pub I think earlier on in Sheffield, um, and that was the thing that he remembered. <laughs> what, what did he remember? You told me recently that um, you asked him about the Manchester gig, mm-hmm. and he just went, "Yeah, the weather was really nice that day." <laughs> um, that was the first time he saw them. Yeah. While we're on the subject of dads, my dad, while I was on the way here. Just out of the blue, described you two as mood music, mm-hmm. and my mum's done that before. As and well. he kind of just left it at that. And then I, 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 I took the bait and I went, "What do you mean?" He went, "Well, it can just be on in the background, really, can't it?" Exactly what my mum said. And I went, "No, no, not really. I mean, and and anybody that's seen them live wouldn't say that because you two, at its best, as good as the albums are, you two at its best." is as loud as it can possibly be yeah. in an arena, in a stadium, with thousands and thousands of people singing along to you. Like, some of the best moments of my life I've, I've been listening to uh, With or Without You or Were the Streets of No Name and 60,000 people singing it with you. Well, you need to tell your dad this, and not not me, and not certainly not the Review 2 fans. But 
I knew if I'd have said that to him, he'd go, well, I'm not buying a ticket. And I'd have ended up having to go to a concert with my dad. And he just doesn't have the level of interest that warrants him getting a free ticket. Also, um, older fans tend to have to sit down and were... It's always better to stand up at a U2 gig. I'm definitely, definitely sure about that. I disagree. Uh, well, we'll see. Um, right, so, Miracle of Joey Ramone, brackets, busker version. Sorry, Miracle, brackets, of Joey Ramone, brackets, busker version. So many brackets. Two guitars. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sounds, well, there's two guitars on the, on the record as well. I didn't they check that this one was Bono. Well, let's assume... Let's I, just assume it is. Because I, I funnily enough, I, I went through the same thing that you do. Like, it could be Dallas or it could be Steve Lillywhite, two mm. people that, you know, usually would play guitar with you two. Um, but I, I think this was probably Bono, if he's done it once earlier on. Who's doing the hand claps then? I don't know. That's the main thing I noticed about this version. It's a fine version, but it's very just down the line and just like a nice buskery version. It's cool. Larry? Yeah, possibly. I don't know. It sound. I, this sounds like a very strange thing to say. It sounds like Bono's hands <laughs> doing the clap. Um, I like, mean, I've got very long hands, right? So, I'm, and I'm, if I clap, I don't make the same sound as his. Like, it's different. I mean, I think you've stumbled on something here. Um, they're like maracas. They're like little. I think little if we ever maracas. interview the band, that's got to be one of the questions. Yeah, was it? Was it, well, we asked the question to someone else. Else, was it Bono's hands that did the claps? <laughs> You probably find out actually if we have a look on the on the thing, but I don't have the thing with me. No, you don't, dude. <laughs> uh, the troubles, alternate version or alternative version. Um, it's not a remix, this is it. This is just. It's, it's very different. Very different. This one. No, uh, likey lie, aka Licky Lee. I think well, there there are female vocals, but they are a lot quieter, and I, I'm, which leads me to believe that they. They might not be. They might be someone else. But they could be. They could be like like. Um, they're definitely not front and strength, uh, front and center. Um, you do get a bit more synthesizer in this one. Um, you instantly hear the difference to the original version, but it's less polished. Bono has a much more restrained first chorus. He actually just sort of speaks the first "You're Not My Troubles," whereas he gives it full belt on that first one, yeah. in which. I think works. Uh, there's a lot to be said for holding back a little bit. You know, keeping some bit of your powder dry, but. I don't think it's worth it for. I don't think this version works. This is another um, another example of too many ideas being pushed into too into a too smaller box. This is quite clearly a song they've wanted to do for a while. They've never re- they've never been as on the nose as to name a track the troubles before now. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously being from Ireland at that time. There's going to be a lot of things that you want to say. But I think because of that, they didn't want to get it wrong. Just too much, and it gets clogged up. Um, well, this is—I don't think, think this is an alternate alternative version. Really, I think this is basically—I think it's a, a demo work- version. Yeah, it's a, it's a working version. Yeah, exactly. And I think I'm glad they waited and didn't put out an inferior version of this because I think the troubles on record is the best it could be, and it is a good way of finishing off an album. And it, like the rest of that album, it doesn't do a disservice to the troubles, which would have been horrific. Which they don't get enough credit for, anyway. No, um, right, so... Sleep like a baby tonight. Yes. Alternative perspective mix by, and I'm sorry about the pronunciation, uh, Chad Blake, or just Chad Bake? I was saying to Chad. Or to Chad. Yeah. Um, 
yeah so so we've got the, this different version um it's very up and down dynamics wise as in the sound of it is just ugh, up up and down in terms of its volume this really does seem like an earlier draft doesn't yeah, it yeah and uh, that's fine um my first note on this is uh you know when Bono says stop yeah he comes in too late which makes me think this is kind of a one take and done I think that's is that not part of it though? I think that it is sort of it is meant to be jarring that bit. I think that works with what he's trying to get across. Yeah, I think this is an abstract interpretation of the song. Yeah, um, the album version is very polished, maybe over polished. I don't think so, but nope. I can see where people would would criticize yeah. on, on that point. Um, this one's just a bit off the wall, and th- there's not a lot to say about it other than it's. You're either going to like this or you don't, and I, and I have to be in a certain mood to listen to this. I, I don't go to this version because I just think it exists in such a better form. I think when they got this song right, when they made it about more to do with the priest and the clergy and the religious aspects of it, that to me is where the song actually really worked. Whereas in this draft, I've looked through the lyrics today, I'm not still not sure what this version is about. I'm still not sure this version knows what it's about. It could be to do with domestic abuse. It could even be to do with rape or sexual violence. Um, the lyrics do work in that kind of way. It's a lot to do with this sort of secretive um, but abusive atmosphere that's created, um, which obviously does then translate into the better version. But I don't know. I think it's a bit, it's a little bit all over the place. Um, but it's very interesting as a document because you can listen to Edge getting a bit more Jack Whitey, a bit more rough and raw with the guitar, which is interesting. Yeah, it seems to be the kind of thing, you know, we've got a lot of ideas here, let's throw them together. There's a lot of different guitar sounds, guitar effects mm. um, in in here. And it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's a, a landscape of ideas. It's not an alternate version. It's a draft version. It is what it is. But is it what it seems? <laughs> I need to say that. Um, last thing I want to say about that version, I'm really glad they didn't ditch the um, little sprinkly, tinkly uh, Christmas piano sounds you know they've got at the start. And I'm, I'm glad they retained that because that's exactly the sort of thing that I think they, they think, oh, that's a bit of fat. We'll cut that off this for the album version, but I'm glad they kept it. But speaking of... Well, not speaking of a bit of fat, speaking of something extra, which is great... Um, We've also got Invisible included as a hidden track here. Um, a hidden track or an invisible track? Well, either or. Um, it's about 40 seconds longer than the, the red single edit. Just throwing that I've out not, there. I've not noticed much of a difference to it. I think it's. I think maybe there might be... They might have a little bit longer as that bridge when, um, when Bono is saying the very, very quiet um, line, which is where he's saying, that's right, I'm leaving the invisible world. Um, that's the um, the really quiet bit that's between the first verse, first chorus, sorry, and the second verse, where in the background you can hear him and he's that kind of like weird sound. Um, but that reminded me of Acton Baby, and you know the little background stuff you would hear in the background of of songs on Acton Baby, or even in Zuropa itself, you know, um, what do you want, all that kind of stuff. And I I like the fact they're still taking delight in crafting those little moments where fans will listen to that song the second or third time through and go he's saying something there I can't really hear it, I'll just put my ear right close to the speaker and keep pressing play and try and listen to it, you know, just to hear what it is, that's the sort of thing that I really like about this um, my first question about Invisible, Tyler should it have been on Innocence? it doesn't really fit 
But mm. or does it? Um, I think tonally it would jar. Now you've said that, maybe like a little tiny bit, but yeah. Mm, mm, and me. this song came out as a single at the just at the time that they needed it. To, yeah, and uh, it was good. And it, it, I think it was supposed to be the lead single off Innocence. It wasn't a smash hit, was it though? No, but it it it. it they needed it. They needed a single. Irritating need- that it wasn't actually though, because it's really good. Yeah, they needed a a single, and I think at that point it was going to be on Innocence. But then Innocence got pushed back. In November they brought out Ordinary Love, and then this was the February, if I remember rightly. So November Ordinary Love, February Invisible, two really good songs, two songs that seemingly came out of the blue. What's wrong with people? I know, like. Honestly, like, what is wrong with the two non-album singles? Like, they're they're crackers. Yeah, they they really knocked out the park. Considering the world went crazy for, I know the world has changed, but considering they went crazy for, say, Electrical Storm. Yeah, and that, and the, you think these are exactly what more do you want, people? I know it's it's insane, Um, but they released it in conjunction with the with the Bank of America, as we've covered before now. And for every download, I think the Bank of America gave a a dollar to Red. Or a yes, charity up to a certain up to a certain amount. They doubled it eventually. Yeah, and I think we've done this discussion. As we well have before. done this discussion before, but not the not that I, I don't care. But I mean, yeah, um, that's the case. But they needed they needed this song at this time. They needed that, uh, and if Songs of Innocence hadn't been pushed back, this probably would have been on Songs of Innocence. But it would be interesting to know which song extra we got when this got. Downgraded to a to a a hidden track. Yeah, I, well, that's the thing. That's what I, that's what really galls me about this is, is "Invisible" is better than a lot of songs on Experience, and to me, it's too strong of a song to not be on an album. It's irritating to me, and I just think it would make a, a perfect track too. So after you've got Joey Ramone, just hear me out. After you've got Joey Ramone, okay. You've got this celebration of the fact that the band have found what they're looking for. Not not in that way. Like they've 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 got this sound that they thought, oh, that's how you make a really uh, a great sound. Even though even though you know the Ramones clearly are not virtuosos, and they discover that they can have this joy and this exuberance of playing music together. Invisible's about that moment of him coming out of his shell. Thematically, it works so well between them discovering that with the miracle and then going to California and even before necessarily every breaking wave and every breaking wave is a, is a, it's a good song, but it's a weird song for a second one. I, I, I don't think it's what you need. I think this fits in that miracle drug sort of mold where you have a second song that, that is catchy and it's got a lot of force behind it and it, it just fits really well. He's talking here. I finally found my real name. He, he's realised that at that particular time he would rather be Bono Vox than Paul David Hewson. And that makes sense. He won't be his father's son. It's all about him coming out of his shell and not being invisible anymore. It fits well. Second track. It does fit well. And it kind of, like we were talking about Crystal Ballroom, how we wanted that to be, this is what's coming. Mm-hmm. Invisible is the perfect catalyst of, this is what's coming with Innocence. This is what's next. This mm. is what we're going to do. Uh, there's a quote here from Bono's conversation with Zane Lowe on uh, B- BBC Radio 1 uh, where he, he said that Invisible's about moving to London for the first time mm-hmm. and he met a lot of extraordinary people and he'd never felt 
um, more not ordinary in his uh, not not extraordinary. Yeah. In his in his life. Well, if you're around, you know, uh, if you're around Gloria and um, Carl and all the other wacky wow people of London and Hammond and all those other people who live there. Yeah, but it, you know, it, it sounds like the Ramones. It sounds like Kraftwerk. Um, it's got the it's got the sound of Kraftwerk and the energy of the Ramones, basically. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and Bono Bono says you can hear both of those things on Invisible. I think he's right. Um, but that idea of Bono being invisible. He wouldn't and be happy about that, would he? There must be the the as much as Bono at eighteen, twenty years old, wanted the world to see him, and and how much uh, feeling invisible must have like you know like really got to him and got under his skin. Now uh, there must be all of you two actually. There must be a time where they just go, "I would do anything to be invisible." Yeah, I think it's true. I think they. Um... That would be the superpower. And I think this is why it probably came back on... They wrote this song at this particular time, reflecting on it. Um, and I think it, it can also go back the same way, that that thing about finally finding his real name. Yeah. I think now, if he rediscovered his real name and could just you know, say, <laughs> see you, and became uh, Paul David Hewson again, even just for a week, it would probably be a, a, a blessed relief. Even Paul Hewson is too famous. You know, it, mm. the people know who that is. Oh, the trials and tribulations of being Bono. It's, it's, it's hard being a rock star, isn't hard it? Hard life, isn't it? Um, right, so that seems like a natural break for a lovely little sting, and then we'll get right into experience. So that was the Innocence bonus material, and that brings us on now to the Experience bonus material. Quite a lot of you have asked us if our opinions of the songs from Songs of Experience have changed. And all in all, I'm not sure uh, whether my opinions have changed. I, I'm a lot softer on 13 now. Mm-hmm. There's also, I, I think I'm a, a lot harder on some other songs. Such as? I still don't like American Soul. I still think it's a really, really bad song. Uh, I, I like, I do like The Showman. I still like The Showman. Um, which which songs are you? Have you moved? Not, not really. Um, I th- I came back to this, and I've got to admit, I was not drawn back to Experience the way that I've been drawn back to Innocence um, over. You know the the sort of half life of the album coming out and really listening to it all the time, so I've not felt that pull. But I will say, there's more than half a great album here. So unlike No Line on the Horizon, there is to me there is more than half a great album here, but it's not got the same consistently high quality or kind of cohesiveness at a sonic or thematic level that Innocence has. And this annoys me because it brings down Innocence because these are these are brother and sister, twin, whatever you want to say, albums. You know they go together. Um, Showman has completely refused to grow on me. Um, I don't want to spoil it here, so don't react, but I don't want to see it live. Um, but I imagine I will do. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Love is Bigger, I like that a bit more because I realise that it is a very good song. And watching that at the BBC live recordings, um, which I um, I think I did a few tweets live when, we, when that was on, that was fantastic from, from Abbey Road. And 
I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and that works better there. I still hate the production on the start of that song, but it is a great song at its core. 13 has grown on me a hell of a lot, and I think it's incredible. The bit where... Um, there's just a bit where Bono sort of gives up halfway through, and instead of actually saying a line, he just says, da 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 something like that. You know, he just literally throws out a few lines as if he can't actually say or put into words what he's trying to express. It's this real melancholy and regret, and you think that's the sort of thing that I'll keep coming back to time and time again. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Blackout, I kind of get, and yep. I think I tweeted about this when it, you know, mm. they would... I don't think it's the greatest thing. I, I struggle with liking it now. Yeah. Whereas before I was quite happy not liking it. Now I struggle with liking it because I know it's not very good. But I do like it, mm. and which is entering a different realm of, you know, um, uh, liking bad songs. Um, I, I, it's, it's just strange. It's It still seems to me like mid noughties B-side material. But I like it, and I, I don't mm. turn it off anymore. American Soul, I still don't like. I still don't like. I I don't know where I stand with American Soul. I think I'll decide that when I see it live. But Americans love it. Americans love it. This is no spoiler either. This is just me talking to people outside the yep. the uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, I it was something I asked people. Yep. Not I don't think I asked them this for the podcast. I did interview some people for that, but um, I didn't ask them what they thought about American Soul. Because that would be presuming they knew the new material. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, the, Americans do like American Soul. Well, it's a it's a hymn to the better nature. I isn't think it? it's for them though. I yeah. don't. I, I don't think it's a it's a song for us, and I don't think we have the basic understanding or uh, call it patriotism. Call it. Um, I, I I don't know what it is. It, we but... have ridiculous, idiotic, racist demagogues in our country, though. We have Farage. We have we have loads of them. Not we, as big as Trump, but you know. We do, but I, I just think American Soul just... It, it really strikes a chord um, with a, a certain type of American. I'm not saying everybody in America likes it, mm. but I, and I, did, I did get a sense that, okay, this just means something more, and yeah. I don't, you know, I, I'm not initiated in that. And that's fine. Yeah, you know, that, That's fine. Um, but, you know, there you go. Okay, so I'd say... Returning to experience um, has been something that I've... It's not like I've been reluctant. I've just not been pulled back into it. But I know that as we get towards this month and coming up to actually watching it, I will be returning to it a lot. And I'd love to talk to people about it, you know, either online or in person when we actually go to the gigs. I listen a lot to to experience. I, I do listen to it quite a lot. I listen to songs off it, but not the whole album. I'm still trying to find that... Yeah... I, you know, I get this now. Mm-hmm. And I think I do get it, but I, I certainly don't have the same pull to it as I do Innocence. Now, that's the main thing. It's just not as good. And if they pulled it off, this amazing double album where you had the songs working, you know, where it really reinforced each other, that would have been so amazing. It would have been such an achievement. And for some people, I think they think they have achieved that. And, you know, more power to yeah. you. But anyway, let's talk about Ordinary Love. Brackets, Extraordinary Mix. One of the many, many versions of Extraordinary Love, sorry, uh, Ordinary Love, which I can't keep track of the subtle differences between at all. No, some of them are really good. <laughs> you know? well, there's so many different shades of Ordinary Love yeah. that you, you you can't tell. Um, 
This isn't ridiculously different, but it does have a beefed up drum and bass. It's bouncier. Uh, how would you describe beefed up to uh, non English speakers? I think beef carries pretty pretty well, unless beef, you're a yeah. veggie or a vegan. Um, mag- uh, magnified. Halloumied up. Halloum- halloumied up. Wait, vegans. Uh, falafeled up. Falafeled up. So we cater to all people on this podcast. Yeah, okay. Um, in case you can't tell, I don't have a huge amount to say about this song. Um, my only question I had um, to you was, should this have been on experience? No, it shouldn't. Uh, I also... Innocence don't know if this should have been a U2 song it it was great the fact that this is a, a soundtrack is ridiculous yep absolutely ridiculous it's it's way too good the amount of effort that a lot of bands put into soundtracks mm. if they actually bother writing a new song for the soundtrack and yep. don't just resell something that they've already written it's way too good for a soundtrack it doesn't mean it, you know it can't be a soundtrack, but the quality is above and beyond what you need for a soundtrack. Mm. I do think if they'd have sold this to a young twenty-something female singer, this could have been a club hit. Well, it's a, it's a big what if. Um, I could see it playing well um, from a, a from a, a young singer of any sort. Yeah, um, it's just it's got a very universally hooky melody, doesn't it? And very simple chord structure. Don't actually think it changes throughout the whole of the song pretty much. Um, There's a um, there was a version played a few years ago on Jimmy Kimmel. Yep. When Will Smith's on the couch, so you've got Jimmy Kimmel behind the desk, Will Smith, and you two on the couch, mm. and uh, they they start playing it acoustically, sat down, uh, and then Bono stands up and he's doing his dad dancing, which. <laughs> Which, which he's kind of you know he's he's restrained in a studio like yep. that. He can't he can't be Bono, so it's it's kind of Bono light. Yeah, um, I can't believe it's not Bono. But then you get uh, Will Smith and and Jimmy Kimmel standing up doing their dad dancing as well, and somehow what could have been a very awkward rendition of a song becomes the coolest thing on the planet. Yeah, I think I remember that. Everyone's sort of uh, having a dance to it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... Um, oh, imagine if they'd somehow led into Miami. Then the Will Smith can make anything cool. <laughs> um, but it, it, re- it really worked. They, it's a good song. I play this song a lot. It's very easy to play acoustically. It's a good campfire song. Mm. Um, one reason why I think it probably wouldn't have worked for a younger singer or performer is... Uh, this the refrain at the end that are we tough enough for ordinary love um i think the meaning to that to me is it's all about i mean it, it is to do with acceptance and 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 just loving your fellow man be you know or a woman of, of whatever sort of stripe or gender or ethnicity or any of that sort of stuff but i think it's also about being tough enough to just get through and uh you know an, an everyday uh brackets you know some brackets uh like ordinary love, that something that is every day, and being able to sustain that without those fireworks. I think it's a theme that Bono's come back to a lot of the time. He says it, he does it on a Man and a Woman, where he's talking about not going for um, romance in that big showy way rather than love. And that to me is a little bit of what this song is about. It's about the toughness of having to sustain something. It's a it's a great song. It's a great summer. In fact, I said to my I put this this song on in the car earlier with my dad, and I said I like this. I love this tune. It's a great summer a summery song. And he went, I don't get a summery vibe off it. <laughs> and he's like, okay, you just, get your dad on here. Are you just going to disagree with everything I say about about you two? 
Um, and then, so I, then I tried a few more summary uh, songs. I, I did Arcade Fire, Everything Now, which yeah. I think is very summary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, I tried uh, Evelyn Champagne King, uh, Love Comes Down, which you will know, but I can tell by the look in your eye, you have no idea what I'm on about. Yeah, go on. Uh, it's, it's a really great disco, it's out of the 70s or 80s, you know, disco track. Right. Love Comes Down. Oh, you'll make my love come round. That um, one? No? No, surprisingly not. Still it was on the it. Vice City soundtrack. So well, I, I was more of a um, San Andreas guy. Oh, well. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, the, 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 those are my summer day tracks. So, moving on swiftly. Um, Book of Your Heart. We should do a drum roll because the amount of people that have requested us to talk about this. Well, it's going to be disappointing. Yeah, this is this is a, a a podcast that doesn't get a lot of retweets, doesn't get a lot of interaction from anybody. It does, it does. I think yeah, I think you're feeling a bit bitter because we oh, asked no, them. our listens to tweets, the ratio is is ridiculously low. Well, we appreciate all the people who do um, who do um, tweet in and everything like that. Actually, while we're talking about that, spotlight on. One second, Bernard. It is Bernard, yeah, but you have to wait a sec. Yeah, so um, uh, Bernard Van Althuis, we still can't say your name, um, he said when we put out a call to ask people what they thought of these, he said, Hi, nice idea for a podcast. The bonus tracks were really good last albums. Oh, were really good last albums. Most of them would have been good on the album, which I think we've 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 kind of mulled over that today. Um, pretty big fan of The Book of Your Heart. Not too much of a fan of Ordinary Love. Not much different from the original, uh, which, yeah, I think we've covered that as well. We, we totally agree on that. So, Book of Your Heart. Um, what do we think about this song? Say, I'll let you go first. I think it's great. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I also think it's good. It has a uh, really, um, really good riff, really good lyrics, really good melody. Riff? Yeah. What uh, riff? There's a riff. Do the riff. I can't do it off the top of my head. That's not a riff, then. I've talked about... 20 songs tonight a riff, we've not done that many we've just waffled uh, a riff <laughs> you have to be able to do it then and there like double down ba double down boom double down ba double down boom yep what was that what this way uh, okay i can hear it now <laughs> um go on throw me okay, a okay the tune riff. sounds good then the, the song sounds good that's fine just use um, the right words shut up right <laughs> i want this on the album ooh uh, I tell you a song it can replace straight away. <laughs> Begins with the and ends with man. The show in the middle. The shower man? No. Um, the showman. Yeah. Um, it sticks out like a sore thumb and it's terrible. I like it. It's. I, I, um, we're not talking about that. No, we're we've not. done that. Um, I don't know what song I would take off. Uh, having been to the Americas, um, I don't mm. feel comfortable taking off American Soul. Um, the blackout would be. I don't think we need blackout on there. I think you do. You need to keep that energy up because it, it the album does get a lot more subdued towards the end. It ruins a good run of Summer of Love, Red Flag Day, mm, that's and then kind of true. The blackout. I think you move move blackout around. I don't think take it off. I I I, I like the blackout. And it should be on the. Just get rid of it's simple. Showman off. Book your heart on. Good. I don't. I, I think it should be on the album. I don't know why it isn't. It's very good. Do you have anything about what the song's about? Well, I've, I've been trying to think about this. Um, so it's an extended metaphor, um, which 
you two don't really do this. Bono tends to flit around a lot more. He tends to get a song where you have lots and lots of different ideas. You know, she's a rainbow and she loves a peaceful life. And, you know, then you get a different idea coming it's along. It's funny you went there, actually. Well, maybe we'll come back to that. Um, but here, it's all the way through the song. It's this idea of, um, to me, this is, um, what I get from it is about this this relationship. And there is a long, long, again, it's, it's like that thing I said about ordinary love. It's a long, extended relationship. And it's about how every little bit of that relationship um, builds up over time. And you have little tiny entries. You have the, the long descriptive passages where we don't know what to say. That is what Bono's saying here. As someone who has been with the same person for such a long time, comparatively speaking to a, to a lot of relationships um, these days, like he basically says here that there are passages where you don't know what to say to someone. It's a long part of it. And maybe that's nice maybe it's a maybe it's a sunday afternoon where you just can't be bothered but there might just be periods of silence or or discord and i think it's good that he puts that image next to you know this is our wedding day this is a promise that will stay it's about moving on from that period of innocence where you make those promises which seem you know possibly overly romantic or get forgotten quite quickly things break down but then he says to even be in the book of your heart, just to just to be in those a privilege. But he stayed in there in this in this long collection of pages and leaves, um, in the same book. I don't know the metaphor is kind of breaking down now, but with two books on the shelf <laughs> together, I, I get it. Two characters in a book. The it, within yeah. within that book, there's a, a lot of pages where the characters don't actually talk. You're just reading description about what they're doing. Yeah, and 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 that this this is that love isn't. In real life, isn't like like these big Mills and Boone style romance where there's fireworks or even like a Hollywood romance. There are there are bits that are ruddy, boring, you know, or difficult, and that's part of it. Um, and right at the end, the the last the last thing I think is great, and Bonner really like sings this from a quite a subdued start. The last bit where he says, "Babe, I don't belong to you. Love is what we choose to do. Baby, you don't belong to me. It's not that easy." It's, it's saying basically that that sort of romantic love where you just slip on a, a ring and you say, well, there we go, we belong to each other, simple, oh, well, we're in love forever. It isn't that easy. Um, they are married, but it's not that easy. It's what you, Love is what you choose to do. It's not what you have to do because you're obligated. Yeah. Um, and I really like it. And there's, there's vocoder, fab, there's little buzzes, which I only really noticed today listening to it very loud on headphones, little buzzes and things that go on in the chorus that... Um, that seem to sync with the stuff he's got about ask the leaf and ask the bird not to sing or speak a word. It seems to get really vibrant in the chorus, and I think it's a great song. It's it's really good. Um, it is. It's terrific. It's a terrific song. Um, I'll tell you the album I think it should be on. Can I guess? Go on. Zeropa. No. Line on the horizon. <laughs> nice. No. No line. What would it replace? <sighs> boots. Get off those boots. I mean, any song could replace that. <laughs> Stick Blackout on the. I read one of the iTunes reviews uh, recently <laughs> where someone was very annoyed at our uh, No Line in the Horizon review. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. First negative iTunes one. Have you got that? I've not seen that. Uh, I don't have it on can me we, right now. Can we do that at the end of this episode? Why are we giving publicity to someone who doesn't like us? Well, let's let's give publicity to somebody who deserves it, i.e. the person who nearly crashed into a pedestrian pedestrian's fault not yours 
um, and was listening to our podcast, and the dash cam picked it up when you submitted it to YouTube. Oh, so yeah. thank you to whoever that was. Please get in touch, and um, I'm, if you get in touch in time, I'm about to order some Review 2 t-shirts, so I'll send you one. Um, wow. There you go. I, I really enjoyed that too, and that video in general just made me laugh a lot. P.S. I hope you're a large. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so um, we now move on to... I want to get the actual name right for this, so one second. You don't know the actual name. To, I think it's like St. Peter's Strings version or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Right, St. Peter's Nailed Strings it, version. Um, St. Peter's Strings version of... The Lights of Home. That's right. Um, Am I mistaken, or is this just the album version with strings attached? I think it might be because the recording sounds too similar. Yeah. Um, which, but I don't mind it because this, in my opinion, what I've written down here is this is what a B side is for. This is exactly the sort of thing it's for because it's not doing the same thing, um, just in a in a in a kind of boring version or doing something that's not really worth changing. Um, it's doing something that is really, really bold and interesting with it. And they, they've thrown out all of the big guitar sounds. They must have sped it up a little bit as well, I think, possibly. Because maybe it's just a sense I'm getting for the strings, but I love this orchestra and the gravity that they give to this. And all the counter melodies and um, to Bono, you know, the kind of the strings buzzing off the chorus and, and, and the verses, they all work so well in this. I would really like a show because I think it'd be too too much to do as a tour but a show where you two play their songs as is mm. as as they would normally would with an orchestra they did do they don't slow it down they did do yeah for the BBC you're on about the BBC yeah, one yeah. no I'm on about a full concert oh wow okay yeah uh, like you know where it's, it's, it's you two full at the speed kind of full speed so that they're playing everything the same speed they normally would they don't slow anything down they don't do don't change the arrangement they play and the or- the orchestra accompanies them yeah i would love that um no well please do that but I, well, I can't no i'm talking not to being in you two obviously listening while we're on a beach somewhere you two if you're listening um do that obviously uh come along and do a podcast with us also, um, if you could send me a new cup, um, I always drink from a Joshua Tree mug at work. Mm. That now has a chip in it. So if you could mm. send me... I know you've got some lovely new mugs on your website. Did they say the Joshua T on them? No, I, but that was Review 2's first tweet. Was it? Yeah, yeah I, did, I did that. You're welcome. Um, so, uh, yeah, so if you could send me a new mug... That would be fantastic. Right, an hour and a half in, we need to get on with this. So, um, New mug, thanks. Right, uh, the best thing, uh, Kygo Remix. So this is very funky, I would say. Um, twin with very, very uh, chilled sort of synth sounds at the start. Um, I like this version a lot. It would be a version that I would show someone who's into dance music, but not really that sold on YouTube overall. Um, sort of thing of my brother here. I can't remember if he likes you two or not that much. He seems to. When he's I interested him. in them. Yeah, but I, I also think he's just fed up, which is which is reasonable because of the amount that I've, I've played them over our, our, our you know thirty years together. Um, so yeah, fair enough. But there is a bit in this where Bono's voice is almost. It's almost like he's cut up and bits are thrown out, and then it's collaged out on a page or something. It's incredible. I don't know how to. There must be a name for that technique. 
Uh, I think it's something to do with a. Uh, um, I think there's two things at work though: a pitch shift, mm-hmm. which is going up and down, yep, and a volume that is going up and down, um, and the kind of. I know I'm not going to do an impression, although I have done many in my life um, of of that bit. Yeah, uh, but it's kind of coming in and out. But there's also a, the pitch shift is is going yeah. up and down at the same. So time. it hits different, yeah, d- yeah, different points. That's bit that sounds reasonable to me. Um, I I really like that bit. I think it's something that genuinely I would. My like... dad said that sounds like the record skipping. <laughs> Can be counted on for a great comment, can't you? Ian? <laughs> <laughs> Um, is his famous is his favourite song Get On Your Boots or something as well no 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 but you know you two's just mood music yeah just something in the background I, I messed that up again mood music well I didn't leave the original one in the edit so if you've uh, come unstuck there um, I would like to go to a club have them play this very loud with everyone dancing and getting into it and then promptly leave because I want the I want this club atmosphere. To yeah, I would I would like it. Yeah, I just don't want to spend the rest of the night listening to whatever. Spoiler for next episode. What's the next episode? I I think unless we do another one, um, the next episode will be us reviewing the tour of experience. Yeah, good. Um, I think that's the next episode. Unless we squeeze another one in, we find something to talk about. Mm. If someone sends us captive, for example. Yeah. They're not Spoiler. Going that might have happened. Really? I might. Have been in that kind of setting. What kind of setting is that? Just spoiler for next episode. There you go. All right, okay. Um, so everybody knows how I feel about Kygo. It's the ultimate version. Do you prefer the album version? Yes. Or... That's an album version. This is this is what it is. I was trying to trip you up there because I asked you that on the album review, and you said you prefer the album version. Consistent man. Yeah. Um, Mister Consistency. I still prefer the Kygo version. Kygo has actually done uh, quite a. A few good remixes, not of U2, but of other songs. Mm. Um, go and check that out. Go and check out the other remixes. There's just been a pile of Summer of Love remixes, which are good, but I, I don't think there's anything I can say about them apart from they just sound like Ministry of Sound or like chilled dance versions of them. The, is Ministry of Sound still a thing? I feel old. Anyway, they sound like dancey versions that are chilled and nice, and I like listening to them, but I have nothing interesting to say about them. Yeah. Um, well, we don't really have it. Many interesting things to say. No. Nope. So, at an hour and a half, we're going to clock out then. Um, this has been Review 2 for yet another episode. Um, if you are interested in having a chat to us when we do, whether or not it's the next episode, when we do get to Manchester, um, we are on the Friday and the Saturday. We will be there in full force. Um, we will be bespectacled. Uh, one of us slightly taller than the other, both with blonde hair, unless Tyler decides to change his do for some reason. Well, I think I think what would be really good for Manchester and give uh, these Manchester gigs the Manchester spirit is we should try and break the record for the most amount of people cosplaying you two. <laughs> I think that would be just uh, give give that give those Manchester shows. Just that little bit, you know, of something different. Because so are you got, I mean, you cosplay as Bono anyway. So are you going to be cosplaying as Bono? I can, I can do any of them. I can do, I can do, I can buy some really baggy trousers and do um, Adam from the nineties. Ad, Adam from uh, Elevation. But oh, I, Elevation, yeah. I, look, maybe, maybe other people don't want to do that. I'm not doing dressed up in a kimono. At the least, all you have to do is put on a beanie hat and a flannel. Right, it's me. That's no, that's that's the least of what people would need to do to go as the edge. Or wear a short sleeve shirt, short sleeve blue shirt, and go as Larry. You know, 
blue jeans, white t-shirt, you're there. Mm. All I'm saying is, it might be a good idea if Bono's always telling people to get organised. And if we get organised and do the biggest U2 cosplay that's ever happened, and possibly the only U2 cosplay that's ever happened, Mm. I think those two shows in Manchester, which I know a lot of you are going to, would just be that extra bit special. And maybe they'd play Sweetest Thing for me. (laughs) Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, Well, there we go. Um, Yeah, so if anyone wants to have a chat with us, please um, come up to us and we'll probably have our phones on to record uh, Bits and Bobs to make up that special tour edition. Hopefully it'll be another Mammoth edition. Um, Vinny won't be here because he's a terrible fan. So if you expected him, then... Yeah, if, if I feel sorry for the person that's only tuning in for Vinny. <laughs> I.e. Vinny. He doesn't even bother. No. Right, well, um, may- So, yeah, maybe we'll uh, get another episode in, but if not, we'll see you next month in October for the Manchester gigs. We hope to see you there. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you later. See you soon. Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review2u or on soundcloud.com forward slash review2 or search for the Review 2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.